0: Today, for your listening pleasure, we have an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on November 29th of 2015 under the headline, Charity Lamb Was Oregon's Most Misunderstood Axe Murderess. Here we go. For many years, the case of Charity Lamb was looked at like a crime fiction yarn from a pulp magazine-like Spicy Detective. It seemed to have it all. Illicit sex, a mother-daughter love triangle, conspiracy, and, of course, the brutal axe murder committed by a woman with the most ironically innocuous name possible. Quote, Charity Lamb and her 17-year-old daughter shared a passion for a drifter named Collins. Pop historian Malcolm Clark Jr. explains breezily in his 1981 book Eden Seekers. When Nathaniel Lamb, as outraged father and cuckolded husband, strongly protested, Charity cut off his objections with an axe. The real story, of course, is not only more nuanced, but, well, totally different. In actual fact, the only part of Clark's account that's historically supportable are the names of the involved parties, the words strongly protested, and the word axe. Its original source appears to have been a newspaper article in the Oregon Weekly Times headlined Revolting Murder, the only sources of which were a gossipy neighbor and an interview with the embittered and dying Mr. Lamb. The true story of the Charity Lamb murder will never really be known, but here as closely as I can pick it out is the story of how she became Oregon's first ever convicted murderess. Nathaniel and Charity Lamb journeyed out to Clackamas County on the Oregon Trail in 1852 and staked the land claim about ten miles up the Clackamas River from Oregon City. There were a few friendly faces in their new neighborhood, especially for Charity. They had left all her close friends and relatives behind when they left. The Lambs had five children, ranging in age from a newborn baby to a 19-year-old daughter. They also had, according to the testimony of their children, children. A very stormy relationship. The winter after they arrived, Nathaniel knocked Charity down with a punch and kicked her several times for not helping him carry a log. She probably was pregnant at the time. Later that same year, he threw a hammer at her, and it clipped her on the forehead, cutting a big gash. He once held her at gunpoint when she was trying to leave. By the late spring of 1854, things had gotten even worse. In part, that was because of the mysterious Mr. Collins. Ann, the 19-year-old daughter, was much smitten with Collins, who had stayed with the family earlier in the season before moving on to California. He apparently quite liked Ann too, but Nathaniel wouldn't hear of the match and had forbidden her to communicate with him. So Charity had helped Ann write him a letter, and then Nathaniel caught Ann with the letter. This letter brought things to a head— The children testified that Nathaniel was scolding and shouting at Charity all week, and a sinister new element now entered the abuse—death threats. He said she had better not run off, 13-year-old Abram Lamb testified in her trial, for if she went when he was away he would follow her and settle her when she didn't know it. I heard her say that morning, before I went out with Pap hunting, that he was going to kill her and she didn't know what to do. By that morning, Abram was referring to the fateful morning which was to end in bloody murder. On that morning, as Nathaniel was setting out on a bear hunt with Abram and a neighbor, Nathaniel stopped at the end of the yard as he walked away from the house. Apparently thinking no one but charity was watching, he turned, set his rifle down on the railing to steady it, and carefully drew a bead on his wife. Quote, I was in the house and saw it. Nine-year-old Thomas Lamb testified. When Mary Ann rose and saw it, he turned away the gun and shot it off at a big tree. It seems likely that Nathaniel didn't intend to actually kill his wife, even if he wanted to. Theirs was a large family, including a nursing baby, who would be very hard to keep alive without his mother. But by the time he returned from his hunting trip, having bagged a bear, she appears to have been utterly convinced that he did. And she, and probably Ann, had formulated a desperate plan to ensure her survival. Murder. And so, when the family was gathered around the table for dinner and Nathaniel was happily talking about the hunt, Charity excused herself and stepped away from the table as if to see to something on the fire. Then she returned with an axe and let him have it. She hit him twice with it. Even then, Nathaniel was still alive on the floor, screaming, covered with blood. Her axe head had gone two inches into his brain, but the wound had not been fatal. Not immediately, at any rate. Well, Charity promptly fled the house, closely followed by Marianne. She made her way to a neighbor's house a half-mile away, and they let her spend the night. Meanwhile, Dr. Presley Welch came to do what he could for Nathaniel. Nathaniel died a week later, probably of an infection— During that time, he gave some fairly damning testimony against Charity and denied all claims of spousal abuse. In the wake of the act, the community was shocked and outraged, and prosecutors threw the book at both Charity and Marianne, the eldest daughter. Once the Lamb children started testifying about Nathaniel's cruelty, though, that attitude softened from cold righteousness to a kind of miserable sympathy. Marianne's trial was first, and she was quickly acquitted of all charges, but Charity proved a tougher one for judge and jury alike. What she had done did not qualify under any then-existing legal defense. It was sort of self-defense, but not really. He'd been sitting at the dinner table when she did it. It was kind of like insanity, but that didn't fit either. She was clearly not a lunatic. Her defense attorneys made things much worse by trying ridiculously to claim that she'd intended only to stun Nathaniel with the axe rather than kill him. In the end, the verdict was for second-degree murder, a charge which carried a sentence of life in prison. The prosecution had been hoping for first-degree murder, which would have meant the gallows. Sobbing and clutching the baby who would shortly be taken away from her, Charity Lamb was remanded to the primitive territorial prison where she was for many years the only female inmate. Eventually she was sent to the insane asylum on what today is Hawthorne Street in Portland, where occasional visitors found her quietly knitting, apparently contented with her life there. She died in 1879 at the age of about 65. It would be many years before spousal cruelty became a recognized legal defense in murder cases. But the extreme discomfort with which the judge and officers of the court looked on as Charity's case was unfurled before them showed clearly that such a thing was needed, and may have had something to do with some other high-profile murder cases in Oregon, possibly even including that of Mary Leonard, who went on after her acquittal to become the first licensed female attorney in both Washington and Oregon. Key sources in this story have included works by Robert B. Lansing and Malcolm Clark Jr., well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. Check out our hub page at offbeatorgan.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Fakara. Listen and download more at Atlasstringband.com. Offbeat organ History episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m. So it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now.